Friends, welcome to this episode of Leadosophy. You're here with an open mind because that is the rule, not the exception. Today we're going to talk about an article written by John Conrad, Captain John Conrad, from the website called G Captain. G as in golf. G Captain. Uh, according to the website, G Captain is the world leading maritime and offshore website dedicated to building an interactive community of maritime professionals. And John Conrad White writes this article about a recent report that came out last week on the Navy culture, the United States Navy culture, potential leadership issues, concerns, cultural concerns within the Navy, mainly surrounded around the surface warfare fleet. The report that was issued for Congress, it was this 24-page report, roughly 24 pages, I believe. It was it was issued on the grounds that there have been some accidents, some some maritime accidents by the U.S. Navy over the last few years, a shipboard fire in port, a couple collisions at sea. There has been loss of life, loss of Navy personnel because of these collisions or that resulted from these collisions. So Captain Conrad writes this article kind of talking about the report. And the report is very important. I'm going to talk about the report over the next couple episodes because I think, I think there's some very valuable leadership lessons we can take away or lead us and lead us if he can take us away. So hope you enjoy this episode. Here we go. you ready to permanently fuse leadership and philosophy? Then a word of caution, you are about to enter the fully abstract yet wholly concrete realm of leadosophy. Our ideas are not always so clear and distinct. To validate this proposition, we welcome the host of leadosophy, Tim Wood. All right, friends, here we go. The title of this article, as you can see, it's up on the screen if you're watching. I got some highlights in here. I got some notes. The title of this article is called New Senate Report Says U.S. Navy Puts Toxic Culture Over Seamanship. And again, this is written by Captain John Conrad of the website G-Captain. If you're in the maritime world, I highly encourage you to, to check this website out. I'm no way giving an endorsement or anything like that. They don't know me from anyone. I just happen to, to, to find that there's some really good maritime articles and there's some really good maritime articles on here, especially when it comes to leadership. And, you know, when we talk about lead officer, likes to talk about technical competence, things like this. G captain is a really good website and there's some really, really good articles on here written by all kinds of people in the maritime industry, military and civilian. So check it out. So the article goes like this again, written by John Conrad, Conrad with a K. A new U.S. congressional study released this week finds toxic culture to be the link between recent casualties aboard ships, including the USS Bonham-Richard fire, as well as the USS McCain and USS Fitzgerald collisions. The study, commissioned by Senator Tom Cotton, found a broad consensus across interviewees on numerous cultural issues that impact the morale and readiness of the Navy's surface force. So that's the first paragraph. And I just want to flip over here. If you're... Again, if you're watching, I have up on the screen the actual report, and Captain Conrad links to the report in his article. But the report that was prepared for Congress is titled A Report on the Fighting Culture of the United States Navy Surface Fleet. And as I stated in my intro, this report isn't really geared towards the submarine fleet, nor is it really geared towards the aviation fleet. So I think that's important to make that distinction. And this report was written by Lieutenant General Robert 
Schmidl, U.S. Marine Corps, retired, and Rear Admiral Mark Montgomery, United States Navy, retired. Now, I'm going to dive into this report later over the next two or three episodes because, again, there's a lot of leadership lessons that transcend into the civilian workforce as well. Whether you work at Walmart or you work at Staples or you work for a hedge fund, there are a lot of leadership lessons that can be taken from this report prepared for, for U.S. Congress that can be translated or correlated over to the civilian side. So I want to get back into the article by John Conrad. I find it interesting, first of all, we talk about toxic culture. And I was having this conversation with my wife this morning on a run. We were doing a trail run, and I was talking about podcasting about this Navy article or the Navy report. And we were talking about culture, and culture is so broad. You know, there's a lot of people who find it, you know, the mind likes to boil things down into simple concepts. So a lot of people like to think that a organization's culture is simply the way they do things, right? That's the common slogan that's thrown around about organizational culture. But it goes far beyond that. It's far beyond just the way an organization does things or does something, creates a product or whatever it is. It's the conversations that are people have. It's the imagery that comes up. It's the, the words and the language that workers use. It's what kind of intuitive feelings does a new person get during orientation? When they're walking down the hallways, what conversations are going on in the, in the break room? What are some of the unwritten rules going on in an organization? What are some of the, you know, what's the vision? What's the mission? What are the, the values that are talked about? But what are some of the values in practice, right? Do the actions match words? Do deeds match words? So there's a really, there's a lot that goes into culture of an organization. So I just want to put that out here. When we say an organization has toxic culture, I think that's, that's not the way maybe I would, it's not quite what I take, take away from the, the report. And again, I'll give you my kind of thoughts on it in the next episode, but I think there's more to it. I think it's, you know, the Navy has, I don't know how many hundreds of thousands of people. Can you just say there's toxic culture throughout the entire Navy? I think that's kind of a broad brush. But anyways, again, they, Captain Conrad talks about there are culture issues that affect the morale and readiness of the Navy surface force. And I just want to, for no one, for people out there that don't have any military experience, when we talk about readiness, when they use the term readiness for military readiness, this is really how well is the military prepared to meet the mission, the mission demand. Well, it doesn't matter what branch of service it is. And do they have the knowledge and tools and resources to meet the mission demands? In the civilian world, this might mean how well you're prepared to deliver a service or deliver a product and deliver it well. I think that's a key distinction. And are we able to meet customer expect expectations right now? Or do we have a gap to close between meeting those expectations now Vice, we cannot meet those expectations or at least can't do it very well. So when we, again, when we talk about readiness in the military, that's the, maybe the correlation in the civilian world. So back to the article, Conrad writes, among the top problems found was a culture with zero tolerance for risk, a blase attitude towards ship handling skills, micromanagement, and a total lack of understanding of journalism and the high levels of influence new digital media outlets wield today. Okay. And we continue Subtitle here, The One Mistake in Your Out Navy. Conrad writes, according to Mark Zuckerberg, success in the 21st century comes from fostering the freedom to fail. And Bill Gates, another proponent of embracing failure, says, success is a lousy teacher. It seduces smart people into thinking they can't lose. 
Silicon Valley requires its leader to, quote, fail fast and often, but the U.S. Navy takes the opposite approach, Conrad writes. To become an admiral today, you need, to, you need a perfect record, and the only way to achieve that is to master bureaucracy and avoid taking any risks. And again, that's a very general, broad statement by Captain Conrad. There's a, there's a lot in that article. encourage you to check it out. Again, we'll be covering this over the next couple of days, and I'll give you my thoughts on it. A prevalent theme was a near universal disdain for the so-called one-mistake Navy, says the report. Unwillingness to rehabilitate one-off mistakes and the practice of discipline by paperwork are a drain on the Navy's retention efforts. Former Secretary of the Navy John Lemon has framed this problem in a historical context, suggesting that none of the four key admirals who led victorious fleets in World War II would have made it to the rank of captain in today's Navy. And I kind of my comments on that are, is it fair to compare leadership in 2021 with leadership leadership decades ago? Times evolve, the social milieu evolves and changes, and we can have a discussion for better or for worse as far as the social conditions or what are the social influences on the military and whatever, or other organizations. That's a discussion for, for another time. Conrad continues, nobody is suggesting we return to a day where being drunk and surly was acceptable, but today's warship captains can no longer even take modest professional risks. The study finds they can no longer have small failures, learn and move forward. And even more troubling is the fact that they can't help shipmates who have failed. And he's quote, now he's going to quote one of the interviewees. It's not, it's just not done because it's too dangerous for anybody that tries to help someone who has made a mistake. And again, that's someone who was interviewed for the report and the authors of the report for Congress. They mentioned in the beginning that they interviewed 77 people for that report, people that have gotten out of the Navy, people that are still in the Navy. I think almost everybody that was interviewed was interviewed on a condition of anonymity. And they were, they interviewed enlisted folks and officers as well in the U.S. Navy. Underinvestment in professional seamanship training is the next subtitle. And professional seamanship training, again, the correlation in the civilian side is basically technical competence. How, how good are you at your job? And what are the factors that go, what are the core factors that go into doing your job well? Professional seamanship for the surface fleet in the U.S. Navy, seamanship is the building blocks of, of ship handling, of understanding ships, how they work, how they operate, how they move, everything. Conrad writes, chief among the problems is increasing emphasis on administrative duties to the detriment of basic seamanship skills or preparing ships to fight. The report noted a lack of effective onboard training magnifies a larger lack of investment in shipboard skills. It is estimated that getting an F-18 Hornet pilot from commissioning to the fleet squadron can cost as much as $3 million to $4 million, says the report. Getting a surface warfare officer to the fleet, some of these plans was often less than thirty or 40000 And again, I, th- I think... You know, he put that that quote in the article. That may be an apples and oranges thing. I mean, if you look at the cost of of a fighter jet versus the cost of you know ships, I don't know what the what the differential is. I know that one small mistake on a fighter jet could lead to catastrophic consequences. So this is also kind of a risk versus gain thing. There is very, very high risk in the aviation world, especially fighter jets that are traveling four, five, six, seven hundred miles an hour. I'm not saying those risks aren't there in, in ships on the ocean, but it's just different. So I don't know if we can make those comparisons. 
Anyways, Conrad goes on, the report suggests that most Navy mandated training does not help prevent incidents or prepare sailors for war. And again, he's quoting somebody out of the, out of the report here. I guarantee, guarantee you every unit in the Navy is up to speed on their diversity training, said one Navy leader. I'm sorry that I can't say the same of their ship handling training. A very, very sharp comment there. And I want to just scroll down to the Navy versus commercial maritime culture because I think John Conrad, Captain Conrad, makes a, does a good job of bringing in his own maritime civilian ship experience into here. He writes, according to the Naval Institute, the survey is not alone in identifying these problems. The Navy and government agencies have reached similar conclusions in several reports and investigations, most recently in the Government Accountabilities Office, that's the GAO, and their recent report on surface warfare retention. Similar problems have been reported at agencies that oversee commercial ships, including MARAD, the U.S. Coast Guard, and IMO. From my perspective as a licensed shipmaster, this, this is Conrad talking, these problems are not unique to the U.S. Navy. The commercial maritime sector also struggles with balancing diversity and leadership training with shipboard training and fails at both. Here's where I think the leadership training, and again, I'm going to put in a plug for, for leadership. I don't know if you can separate the shipboard training from the leadership training. I think they're kind of interwoven, especially when it comes to being technically competent. You need people... You need strong leaders to ensure that the ground is fertile. I've talked about the fertile soil. The soil is fertile for people to build competence, right? They have the knowledge they need. They have the tools they need. They have the resources they need. That is leadership in a nutshell. So I don't know if we can separate the, the leadership training from the shipboard training. Diversity training is another, another topic for maybe another discussion. And I don't know if that's draining away from energy put into shipboard training. I don't know how much diversity training is, is given now. I'm not active duty. I've been retired for, for six years now. So that's again, uh, another discussion and I'm not saying it's not part of the problem or part of the solution or whatever it is. But Conrad goes on to say that we too, and he's talking about the commercial maritime sector, we too are too bureaucratic and resist any change that could lead to failure like Navy admirals, shipping executives rarely take responsibility and too often place all blame on captains and crew. And again, here, here's another broad brush, right? When it, it's almost like he's saying that all Navy admirals rarely take responsibility, too often place blame on the captains and the crew. I don't know if that's true, and I don't necessarily think the report was saying that. Again, I'll provide my comments next time, next episode. And last paragraph here, from my perspective, Conrad writes, as the founder of a digital media outlet, the comments in this report resonate strongly. The shipping world does not differentiate between news organizations that invest in journalism and those that publish rumors or nonsense, corporate news. And again, he's talking here about what the report talked about, that the media's influence on the Navy, their influence to potentially arm a senior leader based on a negative story or whatever. And the Navy leadership or Navy leaders are afraid of the media outlets today and what they can publish. So they bend the knee towards the media outlets. So again, that's a, that's a small part of the report, but it is a part nonetheless. So if I can just give some overall comments, not so much on Captain Conrad's article here, but just the report in general, 
maybe a teaser for the next episode. I have a list of, I have a list of probably 20 or 30 questions that I would talk to if I had a chance to talk to Navy leadership, right? Senior Navy leadership, people at the, people at the, the upper echelons of the pyramid in the Navy. I have some questions that I would ask them about their culture. You know, one of the, one of the first things you, when we talk about culture is what's the culture in the trenches, the people on the day-to-day doing the mission vice, what's the culture or the expectations of culture at the top, you know, at, at the Pentagon versus the ships that are floating around in the Persian Gulf or, or wherever in the Pacific, wherever they may be. Is there a disconnect between Navy senior leadership expectations and what's actually happening with leadership on the ground or out at sea in this case? There are some other organizational culture issues that I want to talk about in the next next podcast. And I'm going to rely on a gentleman by the name of Ed Shine, Edward Shine. He is a organizational psychologist. He's one of the foremost, uh, one of the foremost authorities on organizational culture. I'm going to borrow some ideas from him and see if I can tie that into maybe some issues the Navy has going on. But let's listen. Look, if you read the report, some of the issues that are brought up in this report are very, very problematic. The question are the question is, are these issues real or are these just perceptions of people? And if they are perceptions of whether it's former Navy personnel or even active duty, currently active Navy personnel, if they're perceptions of people in the, in the fleet, then maybe this is a real issue, right? Maybe there are some real issues, especially maybe in the officer corps where they do believe if you have one mistake on your record, you won't promote. You won't promote to the next level. It is, the military is, especially in the officer world, it is a competition for scarce resources. The Navy office, well, I think most of all the branches of of the U.S. military service have an up and out promotion system. You must continue to promote or you will be ejected, you will be gone. So again, competition for scarce resources, everyone's seeking to have that perfect record, no blemish on their record. Well, one of the key takeaways from the report, and again, I'm I'm kind of getting into what I'm going to talk about on the next podcast. One of the key takeaways in the report is you have a bunch of officers, military grade officers, who may be afraid or may be apprehensive to make risky decisions, even if they have all the information they feel they need to make a prudent decision for fear, fear of failure, failure or making the wrong decision, even though they think they have the right information and they're making that decision in good faith. If they make a mistake, this may impact their ability to promote. And that's problematic. And we'll talk about that in the next episode. All right, I think that's it for now. I appreciate uh, Captain John Conrad. I appreciate G-Captain, his website. It's really awesome. I hope you enjoyed this show. Remember, Leadosophy is about using the tools of philosophical thought to deepen our understanding of leadership and of life. Thanks for watching. Thanks for watching and listening to another episode of Leadosophy. If you liked what you heard today, hit that subscribe button and check out leadosophy.com and learn more about Tim's ideas on philosophy and leadership. We'll see you next time.